Amen. Thank you for that, Michael. I appreciate it. So this is just in case I start tap dancing a little bit later. <laughs> just kidding. All right. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4 this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I appreciate you being here in the Lord's house. Looks like a lot of people are still, uh, I don't know, sleeping off the turkey or something like that, it looks like today. But I appreciate you all being here in God's house. And it is our fourth anniversary. And it, it's been a uh, roller coaster journey, uh, but we're thankful for it. Thankful for God calling us here just over four years ago and uh, looking forward to what the future has for us and what, what the Lord has for this church as well. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, again, we're continuing this series meaningless as we walk through the book of Ecclesiastes. And really, again, to put it in perspective, what Solomon is doing is he's on a journey. Remember, he's trying to experiment with life and try to figure out what the meaning, what the purpose of life is. And many of us have done this um, in some form or fashion. We've experimented with life and tried to find purpose, tried to find meaning, significance uh, for the life that we're living. And Solomon basically uh, sums it all up in the first several chapters and says that vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What he's saying is that apart from Jesus, apart from relationship with God, life is meaningless. Now, he's not saying life has to stay meaningless, but he's saying that the journey that he is on is meaningless. And as we get into chapter four today, again, we're going to look at it from this, this perspective of Solomon as he's getting out of the palace and walking around and walking about and trying to see how the people live. And it's, uh, it's really, in a sense, he is searching for a better path. You ever search for something better? Anyone? I think a lot of us have. You know, I was thinking about that this morning. Uh, sometimes we search for a better uh, detergent, a better uh, set of clothes, a better workout resume. What, whatever it is, there's a search for better. And Solomon, in chapter 4, is on a search for better. There's a word that's used several times in this passage, better. And we're going to uh, make reference to that a little bit later in the message this morning. But let's go ahead and stand, if you would. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We'll go ahead and read a few verses and then jump right in this morning. So I return, actually, let me start in verse number 22 of chapter 3. Wherefore, I perceive that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that his portion, for who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? So I returned and considered all the oppression that are done under the, under the sun. Anyone ever seen oppression or have to live through oppression? I think many of us have. And you look at the news or watch the news and just look at society in general. There's a lot of oppression in the world today, is there not? There's a lot of uh, injustice. That's really what he's discussing here. I looked at all the oppression done under the sun, and behold, the tears of such as were oppressed, and they had no comforter. Isn't that comforting when you think about this, that they say they had no comforter? That's not comforting at all. And they had no comforter. In the side of their oppressor, there was power, but they had no comforter. Wherefore, I praise the dead, which are already dead, more than the living, which are yet alive. So he's basically saying, man, it's just better to be dead than alive because you don't have to put up with the injustice. You don't have to put up with the unfairness of life if you're dead, or better yet, if you've never been born, you don't have to put up with any of this stuff. And as I was thinking about that, I couldn't help but reference, you know, uh, it's a wonderful life. And uh, George Bailey, no, I just want to be dead. You know, it, it, I've thought about that. I know it's like I'm cold, totally going off on a rabbit trail. But uh, in some ways, I think it'd be kind of, kind of neat to kind of see your life if you were never alive. Uh, we don't have that opportunity. George Bailey did, and we saw what happened there. But um, anyway, 
what Solomon is saying here is that, you know what, with all the injustice, there's nothing that can be done. It's almost just to be better to be dead, to be never born, whatever. Yea, better is he that both, uh, sorry, verse number three, yea, better is he than both they, which hath not been, who hath not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. So again, as Solomon is talking, it sounds very encouraging, right? No, it doesn't sound encouraging at all. Because everything you see saying is that under the sun, life on this earth is so devastating. It's oppressive. There's no hope. There's no comforter. Again, I considered all the travail in every right work that this, a man, is envied of his neighbor. There's jealousy between neighbors. This is also vanity and vexation of the spirit. The fool foldeth his hands together and eateth his own flesh. And then there's that word better. Better's in handful with quietness than both the hands full with travail and vexation of the spirit. Then I returned and saw vanity under the sun. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. And God, I pray that you be with us for the next few minutes as we study your word. And look at, try, look at what you're trying to teach us and what Solomon is trying to teach us from this passage. And Lord, I pray that, that this series would really encourage us. Lord, I know... This can be a wonderful time of the year as we just finished Thanksgiving, coming up on the Christmas season, going into the new year. But it also could be a very discouraging time. And a lot of times it's discouraging because life happens. There are situations and circumstances that are beyond our control, and, and we don't always like what happens, when it happens, why it happens. But God, I pray that you'd help us to find meaning in life through you, through your son, through your word. <clears throat> Help us as a Christian to be authentic. And as we'll, as we'll get to that and discuss that over the next several uh, messages, over the next several weeks, God, I pray that you'd help us to understand that really we were made for more, more than ourselves, more than just pleasure on this earth. There's nothing wrong with having pleasure. There's nothing wrong with, with trying to, to work to achieve. But God, that is not the end goal. And help us to see that and realize that this morning. And Lord, if there's someone here today that has never trusted you as their Savior, God, I pray that today might be that day. Lord, we love you, and I thank you so much for who you are. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I want to walk through this passage very quickly. We've read a few of the verses this morning. And then uh, the main portion of the passage, the main portion of the message this morning is really trying to make an application. An application, I believe, is very practical for all of our lives. Again, Solomon is referencing this better path. So let's just quickly walk through it, if you would, follow along in your Bibles. In verses 1 through 3, when you study out this passage and see the context of what Solomon is doing here, as I said earlier, he's on a journey. He's trying to get, with where, get where the people are at. So he walks out, and really, he's in the courts of justice. He's talking about the political system. Now, how many have great confidence in the political system? Anyone? All right, no one's hand is raised. I don't know why. Why don't we have confidence in our political system? Someone just tell me. It's broken. It's everyone's evil. Yes, very good. It's everyone is evil. It's broken. So Solomon is, is out, in a sense, in the courts of justice. And the, the first thing I have here, it's really there's ruthless oppression in the courtroom or the courts of justice. And you think about this when you uh, every political figure, especially on the national scene, you know, they've always got an agenda of how they can fix the problem. Right. But do they ever fix the problem? Not typically. Why is that? Because it is broken. And because a lot of times when, when men, when women get in power of that nature, it's not about helping everyone else. Who's it about? 
It's about themselves. It's about making sure that I'm taken care of. And, and really, sometimes, and we know this to be true, now it's not always true with every politician, but it's true with many of them that they think they're above the law, right? Isn't that a great thing? I mean, you vote someone in, and you want them to be your, your congressman, your senator, your you know, whatever it is, elected official, and then they think they're above the law. And many times we've seen that, right, in America, or we've seen political figures that are above the law. And when Solomon is looking around, even in his own kingdom, he sees this oppression, this injustice on innocent people. And it's not fair. It's not right. You know, we see this in our own society that, that certain groups of people are oppressed. Certain groups of people are, are taken advantage of, of, and it's not right. And really, you think about it. He's the king. Why can't he solve this? Because really, no one can solve it because men are evil. Men are wicked. Men are more concerned with what they want to do. And really, the king, Solomon, is witnessing three tragedies here in these first three verses. First of all, oppression, exploitation in the halls of justice. He's witnessing pain and sorrow in the lives of innocent people. And he's witnessing unconcern on the part of those who could have brought comfort. So the ones that actually could help, you know what happens? They typically don't help. You ever seen that? You ever witnessed that? You ever experienced it? Yes, all of us have. And many of us probably even relating it to ourselves, we've been those individuals where we see someone in need in dire, desperate situation, in a sense, under oppression. We could have the opportunity to help them. What do we do? We turn our back. We do nothing. Because we got to take care of ourselves. We got to think of what's best for ourselves. And it's broken. And here's what happens. Again, when people are in charge in this system, they tend to think they're above the law. And that's why Solomon said, man, it's just better to be dead than alive. The luckiest guy is the dead one because he doesn't have to put up with all the junk and the madness and the folly. From his standpoint, injustice is far worse than death. You don't have to see people persecuted unfairly. But again, from this perspective, it is faulty. It's definitely an under-the-sun perspective. Let me continue on. Verses 4 through 6. He says, again, I considered all the travail, all the work, every right work. That is, for a man is envy, talking about jealousy and covetousness and that competition of his neighbor. Uh, he's talking about going from the courtroom, basically, from the halls of justice. Now he's going into the marketplace. He's going to see where people actually work to see if it's better there. But he realizes that it's no better there. You know, what he sees is a problem here as well. There's too much competition. You ever notice that in the workforce, that there's too much competition? Yeah, here's what I mean. Now, competition in and of itself is not bad. You know, it's not wrong to, to have that competitive nature and try to, in a sense, try to better yourself, try to improve yourself. But what I've seen in that competitive nature, especially in a workplace or a work environment, is, again, your concern is not for someone else, is it? Your concern is for who? Yourself. Your concern is to make sure that you get the promotion that you deserve, that you get the raise that you deserve, and you're going to step on whoever you want to get there. That's that competition. And really, what he's referencing in these verses are kind of uh, two, uh, two different uh, scenarios here. He's referencing the workaholic, <laughs> We all know people like that, right? People that just work and work and work and work and work and go, 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 go. And then he's referencing the lazy. 
Now, I'm not going to ask and take a poll who's lazy and who's a workaholic in here. Not going to do that today. But that's what he's referencing here, and that's why he's, he's talking about this rivalry in the workforce. Again, competition in and of itself is not bad, but being first is bad when it's more important than being honest. And that's what happens a lot of times. Again, traditional rivalry between teams and schools can be a fun thing, but I've seen this happen many times, and I'm sure you have as well. Rivalry turns into riots. You ever seen that? Rivalry turns into riots, and instead of having a healthy competition, people are rioting. They're, they're destroying things. They're, they're getting on people and, and attacking people, and that's, that's not healthy. That's not good. So he looks at this this individual who is all about his work, forget about pleasure, all about his work. And maybe there's people in here today that are that. They're all about your work. You're all about go, go, go. You're all about do, do, do. I got to succeed. I've got to be the best that I can in my career. And again, there's nothing wrong with having a career, nothing wrong with having a job. That's important. We're going to allude to that a little bit later. But we see these individuals that are all about that and forget about everything else. But then on the opposite side, there are those that are all about pleasure, all about leisure, all about just, you know, relaxing and let everyone else serve me and letting everyone else work for me. And, and a lot of times the one that's the workaholic, they see someone, you know, taking some time off and, and instead of being like, man, that's, that's great that they can take some time off. What do they do? They judge them, right? They start judging. Well, man, that person's obviously lazy. They don't do anything. That may be true. That may, be, may not be true. But I've seen it many times. If someone doesn't work as hard as you, they're obviously lazy, right? That's not always the case. Sometimes it is the case. We'll continue on. And I'm going through this quickly because the application is going to hit more on this here in a few minutes. Really, there has to be a middle ground, and there is a middle ground. But we continue on, verse number seven. Then I returned and saw vanity under the sun. Again, I saw this worthlessness of life. There is one alone. And there is not a second, yea, he hath neither child nor brother. Again, sometimes these people that are all about go, 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 do, 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 work, 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 there's no relationships, are there? They're all by themselves, and really, Solomon is on this lonely road home. Whether he's actually seeing someone or else, some, someone else as he's walking home, or maybe he's actually talking about himself. You know, just because you have a lot of relationships, does it mean you have relationships? No. That'll probably confuse you all. Just because you have a lot of relationships, does it mean you have a relationships? Here's what I mean. Solomon had, what, a thousand women? But he was still lonely. He had a lot. He had a lot of friends, right? Because he had a party all the time. As we alluded to a couple weeks ago, I mean, some of these parties had twenty to 30,000 people. He had a lot of people there, a lot of relationships, but it, did it mean that he had actual healthy relationships? No. And that's what happens sometimes. People that are all about themselves, all about achieving, all about work, 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 go, go, go. Sometimes they miss the point. John Corson notes, he says this, the more man has, listen to this, the more he wants. There's always something new to buy, right? There's always something new to play with. Always somewhere new to go, but it never brings satisfaction. Most people go through 60 or 70 years of life before they come to the realization and say, wait, why did I do all those things? What was I working for to begin with? And Solomon in these verses calls it sore travail. 
What he's saying is it's, it's burdensome. Verse number nine, two are better than one because they have a good, rela- or good reward for their labor. He's basically saying, I'd rather go through life with more relationships, more friendships, and less stuff. But sometimes people don't understand that. I'd rather have more stuff. Who cares if I have any friends? Because I, I can buy friends. Well, you can buy friends, but it doesn't mean they're friends. And again, Solomon has experimented on this journey, and he's done everything. And he's saying it's sword travail, it's vanity, it's vexation of the spirit, it's worthless, it's meaningless. Verse 13 through 16, we see him back in the palace. Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king. I think he's kind of looking introspectively here. He's looking at himself. Remember when he became the king, God had given him a, he granted him a request, whatever you want, you can have. And, and Solomon asked for wisdom. Now he ended up having wealth and riches and fame and all, all that other stuff that came with it. But I think he's looking back at his life. And you know what? I'd rather just be poor and have wisdom than be rich and be a fool. For out of prison he cometh to reign, whereas also he that is born in his kingdom becometh poor. I considered all the living which walk under the sun. With the second child shall stand up in the stead. There is no end of all people, even of all they that have been before them. They that have come after shall not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and vexation of the spirit. So again, everything that Solomon is saying is discouraging. What, what can we draw from this? He's teaching us again the futility of life under the sun without Jesus. And I want you to understand, as I've already alluded to in the past several weeks, but life under the sun, life on this earth, apart from Christ, apart from relationship with Christ, leads to more frustration, anxiety, desperation than anything else. And I want to make a statement that almost sounds contradictory, but, you know, even going to church and a blessing to some people. Here's what I mean. Because we know everything. We know everything. We've been to church. We've been to church our whole lives. We've been to church for a long time. We've heard the stories. We've heard the messages. I've had an opportunity in my life in ministry to counsel with a lot of people, not just since I've been here, but in ministry in general. I've counseled with a lot of people And as I've counseled with a lot of people, I've seen something. I've seen it in my own life at times. I've seen a lot of disillusioned people. Here's what I mean. I see a lot of people that you you counsel with them. You give them what the scripture tells them. You tell them, here's what the Bible says. This is what you need to do. Pastor, I already know that. Pastor, I'm already doing that. Well, why are you in my office? (laughs) If you're already doing it, if you're already living it, then why are you here? Why is there such a struggle? Because they're not actually doing it. And I say that because I've been there where I've disillusioned my own self and my own thinking. I know everything. I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in the ministry. I know all the stories. I know what is right, what is wrong. I'm doing that. Then why is my life so broken at times? Because I'm not doing it. And that's why I said sometimes just going to church can be more of a curse than a blessing. And I'm going to talk more about that in the next couple weeks. But there's a lot of people that are disillusioned. Get this. When you remove God from the equation or only add him when you think you need him, life will always be pointless 
and oppressive. When you remove God from the equation, and when you look at this, leave this up here for a few minutes. When you look at this passage, Solomon, as he's on this journey of life, we see him looking out. What I mean is he's looking around. He's looking at everything that's going on. He's, he's trying to figure out what the meaning of life is, what the purpose of life is, and he's searching for it. So he's looking around. He's looking within. But what I don't see a lot from him is this, looking up. What I mean is there is something better. Every once in a while, in a sense, we kind of see him peeking his head through the clouds and, and seeing from a different perspective, from God's perspective. But if you continue to live life the way that you think it should be lived, the way that the earth tells you it should be lived, the way that culture tells you it should be lived, if you're only having God when you need him, then your life will be pointless and oppressive. You see, without God at the center of your life, life is despairing. despairing. It's regretful. Life is too competitive and comparative-based. It's too filled with doubt instead of joy. But with God as your focus, life can be enjoyable. Life can be restful. And really the question I want to ask this morning, and we're going to hit more on this tonight in some of our classes, is this. Where is the focus of your life? I want you to answer it to yourself right now. Don't talk out loud, but where is the focus of your life? Well, well, the focus of my life is Jesus. That's why I'm here. Okay, is it? Because if it's truly Jesus, then you're not going to be going through life feeling oppressed, feeling discouraged, feeling despaired. There's going to be moments, there's going to be seasons of that, but here's what I'm saying. If God is truly the center of our universe, do you think we'd have as many problems that we have in our life? No. If he truly is the center of our universe. But here's what I found in our culture. And again, I can reference myself. I found that God is often not the center of our universe. God is an add-on. When I'm discouraged, when I need something, in a sense, he's like that cosmic genie. All right, I'm rubbing the lamp. Where you at, God? I need you. Are you here today? He's here all the time. You know, I mentioned earlier that Solomon is on this path for a better life. So how can we find a better path? A couple simple applications. How can we find a better path? Back in verses 4 through 6, he talks about those that are working. He talks about the workaholic versus the lazy. And the way to a better path, first and foremost, is this. Understanding that balance is better. Balance is better. Got several illustrations I'll try to use this morning to help with that. But you think about this. I think someone helped me and brought a scale up this morning. You think about a scale. And a lot of times what we're trying to do is we're trying to balance our life. You ever feel like you're just trying to balance your life? All of us do. feel like we're trying to balance our lives. Thank you, honey. Appreciate it. And what we're trying to do in this balance, you know, we're trying to figure out what needs to be in our lives. So, you know, we put this on that side. Well, that's not balanced. So let me try that. No, that's not balanced. No, no, still not balanced. No, still not balanced. You ever feel like that? 
You ever feel like your life is just, you know, throwing rocks and trying to find the balance and trying to figure out, you know, how many rocks need to go in your life? How many, uh, nope, still not there. Man, this is harder than I thought. It's getting there. That's pretty balanced. It's not bad. Yeah, you can give a hand for that, right? <laughs> I was no practice right there. But, but you think about that. How many times in our lives are we, are we just adding things to our plate? And then, whoa, 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 I got too much here, so I got to add more here. That was weird. It's, it's in a sense as if we're you know, trying to juggle. Anybody, anybody can juggle? I, I can juggle like three things. My cousin like, is insane. He can juggle like you know, seven, eight, nine things, knives, swords, you know, bowling pins, whatever. It's, it's pretty crazy. I can do like three things. That's about it. But I feel like sometimes in our lives, what we're trying to do is we're trying to you know, juggle things, right? We're trying to balance things, and, and that's part of life. Now, stay with me here, because this is, this is important. But a lot of times what happens in life, how many of you have ever seen those entertainers that, you know, are spinning the plates? Anybody have? You know, I meant to, I meant to get one this week and just didn't, uh, failed to this week, but I probably wouldn't have been good at that anyway. But, you know, you see those, those performers that are, you know, spinning the plates. They got them on those, uh, those little pedestals, those, you know, whatever it is, and they're, they're spinning them. And what happens when one spins, they, they get another one spinning, and another one spinning, and another one spinning. And then they got, you know, four or five or six spinning. But what do they have to keep doing? Go to the next one. Go to the next one. Go to the next one to make sure it continues to spin, right? And again, how many feel like that's your life sometimes? That you're always trying to juggle. You're always trying to balance. You're always trying to keep this, the plate spinning. And, and sometimes that's, that's, honestly, that's part of life. Because we have a family. If you have a relationship, you have a husband and wife. Uh, you're trying to balance that with your work. You're trying to balance that with your kids. You're trying to balance that with your, your uh, recreational time. You're trying to balance that with a lot of things. And again, it, it, it's okay to, to have certain things. And, and sometimes it's going to feel like life is just spinning. Life is spinning out of control. And, and one thing is struggling. So I got to go over here and I got to, man, I got to really stop doing that. But I, I got to go over here and I got to keep this one spinning. And I got to keep this one spinning. And and before we know it, we've got like 10 or 15 plates that we're trying to spin in our life, right? We've got all these things that, that we've added to our life. How many have ever realized that there's a lot of things in life that really we don't necessarily need, but we've just added to our schedule? You ever been there? I think many of us have. I've been there many times, and, and there's been times where what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to spin those plates. I'm trying to, to balance those because these are important aspects of my life. Now, here's what, I, here's what I mean. There's a difference between a glass plate and a plastic plate, right? Huge difference. Now, for reference, to help illustrate this point, and what I'm saying is in balance is better, understanding that in life, glass can be broken, right? Plastic, it can, but it's a lot harder to break. Now, let me ask this question. If you don't answer it right, I guess I'll try to help you. But what are some of the glass plates of our life? Some things that are just vitally important. Some things that, you know, if they break, it's going to be devastating. What are some glass plates of our life? Anybody? Relationships. Relationships. Okay. What else? Jobs. What? Jobs. Okay. Jobs. Someone says jobs. What else? Health. What? Health. Health. Okay. What else? David? Your testimony. Testimony. Okay. What else? Walk with Christ, there you go. That's very important. 
So let's just, let's just say uh, our relationship with God and our family. Let's just say two things. Relationship with God and our family. These are the glass plates. Now, again, if a glass plate breaks, it's shattered. It's devastated. It's, it's hard to pick up the pieces. If you drop a plastic plate, what do you do? You just pick it back up. The point I'm trying to make, and kind of use your imagination here, imagine I'm up here, I'm spinning all these plates. And what happens a lot of times in a lot of individuals' lives, instead of making sure the glass plates, their relationship with God, their relationship with their family, let's just leave those two right there. Their relationship with God, their relationship with the family. Instead of making sure that those are going strong, having a healthy relationship with my husband, with my wife, with my children, they're focused more on the plastic plates. So what are some plastic plates of our life? Working job. What else? Fun stuff. Is it wrong to have fun stuff? No. What else? What are some plastic plate areas? Vehicle. Vehicle. What else? Shopping. Shopping. <laughs> I don't know why she feels like convicted right there. <laughs> I'm not going to park it right there. So again, think about this. In life, we have really plastic plates, plastic plates, glass plates. Glass plates, again, let's just put two things. Relationship with God our walk with Christ, and our family. Husbands, wives, children, all that kind of stuff. And really, when you think about it, everything else is secondary. Even your job. Why do I say that? Because if you lose a job, you know what? You can get a new job. If your career fails, you know what happens? You can get a new career. But if your family falters and breaks, you can't get a new family. I mean, you can, but it's not the same. And what happens so often in our lives is we kind of, eh, I'm not really worried about the glass plate. I'm more concerned about the plastic plate. So we're spinning the plastic plates and making sure that, you know, uh, this is important and that's important. And, you know, again, I, I've referenced this many times. We have families in here and, you know, I love sports. You all know that. And, you know, we'll probably have our kids in sports and, and this and that. But I've seen this as a youth pastor, as a pastor, that some are more concerned with their kids' sports than they are with their relationship with Christ. And that's, again, sports are not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. They teach a lot of valuable lessons. I was a coach, and, and, and I love them. And in the right perspective, it's great. But sometimes we're more focused on something that's plastic instead of something that's glass. Because, uh, let's ask this. How many have ever done this? How many of you know you're going through your day, you're trying to read your devotions, and all of a sudden, something happens that distracts you, and you get off your devotions. That ever happened to you? You know, it was happening to me last night. I was uh, in my office studying or at the house, and, and all of a sudden, you know, this little thing went off. Has that ever happened to you? This little thing went off, and, and you know what my first inclination, my first, you know, thing I wanted to do was? Check it. I, I, I got to go check it. Now, I didn't, fortunately, because I was thinking about this very aspect Last night, so I was like, I can't do that. I can't do this. Stay away. Oh, that was weird. Lost my pen. But you think about this. How many times we're doing our devotions, praying to God, and our, our phone goes off? Oh, man, I got to go check it. And then you start checking it. Oh, man. can't believe that person posted that on Facebook. Man, they really did that on Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. And then before you know it, where was that quiet time with God? It's gone. The important things 
are our relationship with God, are they not? And what Solomon is saying is that what's most important is not that you're always working, 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 doing, doing, doing. It's not that you're always lazy and doing nothing. You have to find balance. Balance is better. And instead of making sure that the glass plates are spinning, again, having a marriage and having a family, it's like spinning plates. It's like trying to figure things out because you're going here, you're going there, having a job. And and again, having a job is important, but it's not as important as your family. But I've seen so many individuals that they're more about their job. They're more about their career. They're more about this and that. You know, my family doesn't really matter. They'll be all right. They're just kids. What's the matter? This is about me. This is about my life. But what happens when the glass plate falls? What happens? It shatters. Now, I can pick it up and try to glue it back together, but is it going to be the same? No. What happens when this falls? It's not that big of a deal, is it? But how often are we more concerned with these than with these? And the point Solomon is saying is that if you want to have that better life, that better path, You have to find balance. You have to realize that, yes, life feels like it's just spinning and going crazy. So you have to focus on what's important. Relationship with God. Relationship with family is vitally, vitally important. You have to find the balance in life. But again... How often are we, you know what, I'm going to put more here, more here, more here. Instead of taking away, how many have ever felt like you're adding more? Because i got to stay busy. Because if I'm not busy, I'm not doing anything. I'm not making any money. I've got to stay busy. At what cost? Balance is better. And the true two principles that Solomon is trying to get across here very quickly before we go on is this principle of balance. Now, stay with me. You need to understand this. This principle of balance is this. It's having the character to walk away from good things. It's having the character to walk away from good things in order to protect the best thing. It's having the character to sometimes say no to things that are good but are they really the best? You know, if I'm always missing church because my job has always got me out of church, is it really worth it? I know pastors are always talking about that. I know you have to work a job. and Don't get me wrong. Please, don't get me wrong. And I understand that, especially today's society. I, I get that. And there's times where you might have to miss a Sunday night. Wednesday night. Trust me, I get that. But if you're always missing... Is that really that important? Well, we got to have money in the bank. We have to have money in the bank so we can do whatever we want to do. If we don't have money in the bank, we can't do it. The principle of balance is learning to say no to things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. And saying yes to the most important things. You know what's most important? Is that my family has a relationship with Christ. 
is that my family is walking with God. You know my love for sports, you know my love for golf, but if I'm always out golfing instead of spending time with my family, is that really going to help my family? But dad's trying to get better (laughs) because dad has to focus on himself. And there are a lot of times where I have to say no to golf, which isn't a bad thing, and say yes to something more important. I'm going to spend time with my wife. I'm going to spend time with my boys. I don't have anything in common with them. Well, find something in common with them. Find some common ground. Again, saying yes to what's truly best and no to the plastic plates. But there's also another principle in this understanding balance is better. It's the principle of quietness. It's the principle of quietness. Look at verse number six. It says, better is a handful with quietness than both hands full with travail and vexation of the spirit. You know what quietness is? It's allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you, to move you forward in life. And like I referenced earlier, having a relationship with God is vitally important. Spending time with God is vitally important. But I've seen this in my own life. I'm not trying to be all judgmental today, but I've seen this in my own life many times where really the most important thing for the day is making sure I have a quiet time with God so I can treat my wife the way that she needs to be treated, so I can treat my boys the way that they need to be treated, so I can study God's word. But a lot of times, something happens that's more important, right? It's more important because my phone just went off. I've got to look at that. I've got to answer that. And instead of taking things away, what do we do? We add more to it. We add more to our plate. This principle of quietness is this, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you to move forward. Carrie Schmidt says this, quietness is the space in which you create balance. We're all trying to balance life, and quiet time with God, with the Holy Spirit, is the time where God pours into us. The Holy Spirit pours into us so that we understand what is most important. Again, so often we rush through our devotion, our prayer. Check it off the list. I did it to get to the more important things. I got to go work out. It's not bad to work out. That's important. But is it the most important thing? Well, I got to get to my job. Well, I understand you have to have a job. You have to live and eat and all that stuff. But what is the most important thing? Your relationship with God. But a lot of times, and I've seen this as a pastor, and I've seen this in America, we're so concerned with things that don't really matter than what truly matters. I've seen it in Texas. I've seen it in Decatur. I've seen it in every place I lived that people come to church, and oh, I've checked it off my list. I came to church. We spent some family time together, and now let's just do whatever you want. Balance is better. This principle of balance, saying no to things that are good and learning to say no or yes to the best things. And and look, I've been guilty of this. We have an opportunity to do something, and what usually gets pushed back is that quiet time with God, church, whatever, so that I can do something more important. Right? But is it more important? Let's continue on. Really, the question that we're asking is this. Who are we living to please? What matters the most to us? 
Are we living to really please Jesus or are we living to please ourselves? Are we more concerned with what other people think? The second point is this. Not only is balance better, but verse number nine, relationships are better. Again, Solomon had everything under the sun. He had a lot of relationships, but they weren't Christ-honoring. But I want you to understand this. Listen to this. As believers, we have been called to do life together. We have been called to walk deeply together, to know one another, confess our sins one another, challenge one another, grow one another. The question is, why do so few of us have relationships like this? We have relationships with our drinking buddies that are really trivial, trivial and meaningless. But how many of us have relationships with people that are actually encouraging us? And when we're actually falling in sin, we actually have someone to get on us. Well, I don't want to do that. It's not my business. As a Christian, you've been called to do life together. To encourage one another. To walk with one another. To challenge one another. And when you look at this passage again, and I'm trying to rush it a little bit, but when you look at this passage again, we're going to dive deeper into this tonight, so I encourage you to be back tonight for our, our small group classes. But there are some real enemies of relationships, or as I refer to as community. One of the enemies of community is this, jealousy. You ever been jealous over someone else, something else? I've referenced this before, but you ever secretly wished for someone else's demise? <laughs> You know, sometimes there's reasons for that, but we're jealous when someone else's life seems to be better than our life, right? When they have what we think we should have. And I'm guilty of this. I get jealous of other people in ministry, other, other people's lives and families and all kinds of stuff. But you know what happens? Jealousy ruins community. It ruins relationships. Because instead of being thankful for what you have and encouraging and having joy with other people when they are celebrating life or mourning with them when they're mourning life, well, they had that coming. Jealousy is a big enemy of community. We'll hope more on this tonight, but another devastating enemy of community is this, dissatisfaction. I'm going to blow you away with some more of my profound truth. If you're always in the future, you're never where you are. Let me say that again. If you're always in the future, you're never where you are. Here's what I mean. If you're always waiting for this to happen, for that to take place, for this to clear up, for this promotion, for this raise, for this job, if you're always in the future, you're never where you are. And it goes back to last week. You're missing out on today. The beauties that are here today. Dissatisfaction ruins relationships because we are dissatisfied with each other. We're dissatisfied with where we are. People who are dissatisfied suck the life out of other people. Because they look around and try to find the reason that they're dissatisfied. And they tend to place a lot of blame on other people for their dissatisfaction. Well, the reason I'm dissatisfied is because of this person. Because, you know, they're, they're not helping me the way that they should. And it's completely devastating. 
Again, as Christians, we've been called to do life together, to live together, to, to walk with one another, to encourage one another, to challenge one another. And the point Solomon is trying to drive home in these verses is that relationships are better. Two are better than one. It's better to go through life with friendships that are, that are true, that are genuine, that are authentic, that are leading us to Christ and helping us grow in our relationship with Christ than having more stuff. Because what's that going to get you? What's that going to get you when you die? I've never seen a hearse follow the casket to the grave. Or a U-Haul, that's what I meant. Never seen a U-Haul follow the casket to the grave. I've never seen them with all their stuff. Now, some people probably do that, but you can't take it with you. It's going into the ground. Relationships are better. Community is better. So don't ruin it by your busyness, your jealousy, your dissatisfaction. Third principle. Not only is balance better, finding the balance of life, learning to say no to good things in order to say yes to the best things. Relationships are better. And finally, we're going to hit more on this in the coming weeks. Wisdom is better. As Solomon closes out the passage, he basically says, man, I'd rather be a young, wise person that had nothing than a rich fool that has everything. Why is wisdom better? Very quickly, very briefly. Because wisdom is what helps you understand the difference between the plastic plate and the glass plate. Wisdom helps you discern from God's word what is truly valuable, what is truly important. And wisdom is found when you sit before God and worship him. Wisdom is found going back to that quiet time with God. If you want a better path, if you want a better life, then you have to understand, first and foremost, balance is better. You can work and work and work and do and do and do. Go ahead. But I tell, I'll tell you where it gets you. Exactly where it got Solomon. Man, life stinks. It's meaningless. What's the point of it all? Balance is better. Finding the balance, finding the difference between the plastic and the glass. Relationships are better. Wisdom is better. Going back to the plates, again, like it or not, our careers are plastic plates. Because if you lose it, you can get another one. But if you lose your family, it's hard to pick up the pieces. We've seen that. Many of you are testimony to that fact. I'm not blaming you for anything, but I'm telling you, I'm encouraging and trying to help you to understand what's most important in your life. If you break a, break a plastic plate, eventually you can replace it, but when you break a human part, the pain is deep and lasting. You know, I look back at my, my life over the past seven years, and I've had many breaking points in my life. I've had many points in my life where I almost walked away from ministry. I think my wife and I almost walked away from each other. And I think some of it was the fact that maybe myself, maybe her, maybe both of us, maybe just one, we were trying to spin plates that were never meant to be spun. And I think the question to ask ourselves is this, are we trying to spin plates that God never gave us to spin? 
pastor, I got to make sure it's all good. Again, as we'll, as we'll look at, Solomon wants us to enjoy life, and, and God has given us this life to enjoy in the right setting. First and foremost, making sure that God is our priority, and everything else is secondary. If God isn't your priority, then you're going to go through life like Solomon. <laughs> Be like that clown on the boardwalk that's just trying to spin and spin and spin and just going back and forth and you can't keep it going. <laughs> Let me ask this question. How much of the permanent are you sacrificing to get your hands on the temporary? Let me ask that again. How much of the permanent are you sacrificing to get your hands on the temporary? Again, I look back at the work situation. I've seen many individuals, many adults that have sacrificed a permanent relationship with their children to make sure they get their hands on more money, more stuff, more things. So how much of the permanent are you sacrificing at the hands of the temporary? It goes back to where is the focus of your life? And again, I want to encourage you to be back tonight. We're going to drive this point deeper. But Solomon looked for a better path. But I'm here to tell you that a better path is only found in Christ. You see, as a child of God, if you're a child of God, we were made for communion with Christ. We were made to commune with our Savior. Back in verse 6, Solomon puts it perfectly. Better is a handful with quietness than both hands full of travail and vexation of the Spirit. I'd rather have just one hand full and have that quiet time with God, that quietness so I can find the balance instead of having both hands full and trying to balance and trying to juggle. But I've seen in my own life and I've seen in many of lives that I've witnessed and talked with and counseled with, we're trying to juggle more and more and more that God never intended us to juggle. If you want the better path, understand that balance is better. Relationships are better and wisdom Understanding we were made for more, understanding that God has a purpose, has a plan for our lives. And first and foremost, our plan is to be saved, to trust him as our savior. And if you're not saved, you're basically trying to juggle life and you're never going to win. With Christ, he is the balance. With Christ, he is the one that gives us the help. For those that have never trusted Christ, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting on all the plates to fall and break? Why don't you ask Christ to save you before it's too late? And if you are saved, or you may be spinning things that don't need to be spun and sacrificing what's most important for something that's not as important. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you. And Lord, I pray that you'd I pray that this message is